Well, we started last week talking about one of my favorite characters in the Bible named Joshua. And his story is found in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible that we call the Old Testament, in, uh, in, a, in the book of Joshua. And the book of Joshua is a story of battles and of miracles and adventures that captured my imagination uh, when I first read it as a middle schooler, and I still remember the day. Um, most notably, though, I remember running into one single line at the end of Joshua's story that really has haunted me ever since. And it's a, it's a one-sentence life summary of Joshua, one-sentence summary of his life, one-sentence description of, 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 of his, the entirety of his life, something that was said about him that, honestly, we all hope one day might be said about us, and it's this right here. It says that Joshua left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded him. Everybody say, nothing undone. Yeah, Joshua left nothing undone, like of all he was created to do, uh, of all that he was supposed to do, uh, of all the legacy that he could have left behind for those that came behind him, of all the potential that was in him for like good and for greatness and for significance and for glory. He left none of that on the table. He left none of it on the to-do list. He left none of it undone. The end of his life and the end of his potential, they met on the very same day. And the question simply of this series and of these couple of weeks that we're talking about it is, what if... One day, people said that about you. What if one day you could say that about you? Like, what if you could get to the end of this year or the end of this decade? Or what if you could even get to the end of your life and, and say honestly in your soul and know honestly in your heart before the Lord that I left nothing undone. I left nothing on the table of all that I was supposed to do or all that I should have done or all that God created and called me to do. I left none of it undone. The, my, the, the end of my life and the end of my potential and the end of my calling and the end of all God's dreams for me, they met on the very same day. And I just been writing it this way. Hey, what if you lived a nothing undone kind of life? I believe that you can. I believe that we can. In fact, I believe we, we have to because life is too short and, and our opportunities are too great, and our potential is too inspiring, and the people we love too precious, and God's calling on our lives, and his plans for us are too epic to leave any of it undone. And so that's what this series is about. It's about learning two practices, two practices from the life of Joshua that lead to a nothing undone life. Two practices that anyone can do, no matter who you are, how many days you've been in church, or what you even believe about God, two practices that do in fact lead to a nothing undone life. And last week we learned the first one, the story of Joshua crossing the Jordan River. And the, and the practice number one that we learned is to stop waiting and start stepping. If you want to le le live a nothing undone kind of life, then we got to stop sitting by the river waiting on the world to change and start stepping into it, into the direction of God's call or our call or those who love us' call on our life. We gotta stop waiting, we got to start Stepping. And if you missed that, you can go back and catch up. But today we're going to talk about the second practice, the second practice that leads to a nothing undone life. Before we get to that, though, I do want to tell you a quick story. I want to tell you about a response that I got to last week's sermon. And if you didn't hear, that's okay. You'll get it anyway. It's okay. But um, one of you, uh, there's a woman in our church, one of you, and I asked permission to share this story. In response to last week when I said, hey, stop waiting and start stepping. Step out courageously in the direction that God is leading you. She said, hey, uh, I have my own experience of that. Like, I have a story to tell about that. And, and I said, really, what is it? And this is what she said. She said something to this effect right here, that I courageously stepped in God's direction, but nothing happened. I was like, really? 
She's like, yeah, that's my story. That's my story. Like when you said, stop waiting and start stepping, I did that. Like God placed something on my heart. He gave me a crystal clear step to take. He gave me an idea uh, of how to love our community right here in Cobb County, an idea of how to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. And I knew that he wanted me to start it. I knew he wanted me to start it. And that's what she did. To make a long story as short as I can, but she got to work on it. She, she shared this idea, this step that she knew God wanted her to take with some friends and got them excited. She shared it with some neighbors and got them excited. And then she went and pitched this idea to somebody who had the power to make it happen, to like take it from there and hey, I will make it a reality. And you know what they said? I don't see it. Eh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. And she was like, uh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, what's going on? Did I, did I miss something here? Did I not say it right? Did I, did I, did I talk to the wrong person? Was it, maybe what, you know, maybe it just wasn't ready. Maybe I need to, you know, do a little more work. And so, you know, she went back and rallied even some more friends and rallied even some more neighbors and got a little more structure to it, a little more organization to it, a little more backing, and then went to another person who, who, who would have been able to take this idea and make it a reality, and she got the almost exact same response. Like, hey, I love your passion, I love your energy, but I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't see it. And this would happen like two or three more times. <laughs> She's like, in this moment, in this journey, I was like, what's the deal? I mean, I, I stepped courageously in the direction that God called me to go, and I thought he was gonna bust the door down. I thought it was all gonna happen, and instead I ran into this. I ran into, I don't, see it. I thought, man, I need to tell that story. Because not only is that so real, but I think it's probably a lot more common than we would think. Maybe a lot more common than I would think. Like, I bet a lot of us have a version of that story. I bet a lot of us have a moment in our lives where, like, life called us and propelled us in a certain direction, or our dreams called us and propelled us in a certain direction, or, or God himself, God actually called us and propelled us in a certain direction, and we, we took a courageous step towards that direction, but then landed right here. We ran into, ah, oh, I don't know if I see it. We ran right into that, just like she did. Like maybe it was the time you decided to pursue a dream of yours that you'd been a little, just hesitant to ever pursue in your life, but you stepped out and you shared it with somebody and instead of the excitement that you expected to get the look on their face or even the words that they said sounded a lot like that or looked a lot like that, like, oh, okay. Or maybe it was the time you took a step towards reconciliation. Like you knew that God was calling you to reconcile with somebody and you made a plan and you prepared and you prayed and you did it just so and you went for it and you took a step out and what you got in response was, now nah, I'll see it. Or maybe it was like the time that you went after a job that you've been scared to apply for or switch to and you got it all together, and you thought, man, this is what God's calling me to do, and then when you put it out there, the people that actually have the decision-making power are like, yeah, we don't see it, and you're like, what? Or like a time you're trying to break a habit or develop a virtue, either one that you had been wanting to and you knew God had been calling you to for a long time, and like when you started to, to, to be that way or to change that behavior, the people around you were like, I'm sorry, you're not going to do what? I'm sorry, you're going to be you? Oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I see that. Or maybe it was a time you're trying to make a change in your marriage or, a, or implant a quality in one of your children and you made these plans and you put all your best energy and effort into it and your spouse or your child was like, yeah, no, nah, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see it. Or maybe it was you who told yourself, 
I don't see it. Like maybe you were like, oh man, I'm going to take a step in God's direction of God's call on my life or my heart's call on my life. And, and, and you started in that direction, but then you looked up at the obstacles or you started tallying up the cost or simply you just looked in the mirror and you realized, oh man, yeah, I don't even know if I see it. I don't even know if I see it. I bet a lot of us have a story like that. Like we're all old enough and we've lived life long enough to know the feeling of and the gut punch of stepping out courageously in the direction of God's call in our lives or even just our heart's call in our lives and then to run face first into the wall of I don't see it from someone else or from ourselves. The battlefield of life, it is, it is littered with hopes, dreams, and priorities of ours and hopes, dreams, and priorities of God for us that didn't survive an interaction, didn't survive an encounter with I don't see it. I bet we could all tell a story like that. And when it's ninth grade and we're talking about trying out for a school play, that's called a life lesson. But when you're an adult and you're talking about your career or your character or your marriage or your faith or your finances or your family or your kids or your future, that's not called a life lesson. That's called a life casualty. And that's the problem with the message from last week. The problem with the message from last week is that it's one thing to step into the river in the direction of God's call in your life, but it's a whole other thing to face what's on the other side. And yeah, I mean, Joshua, Joshua, in fact, did step into the river, and it was this really awesome moment, but what he faced on the other side should have broken him. What he faced on the other side should have been the end of the story. What, faced, what he faced on the other side of that courageous step should have been game over, go back to where you came from. And it almost was, but Joshua had to learn another lesson, a second lesson, a second practice, one that would propel him, make all the difference in the world of whether he was going to live a nothing undone life. And I believe it's a practice. It's a lesson that God's inviting us to learn today, or maybe some of us to relearn, or maybe some of us to recommit to, because it really could change everything. It really could change everything. So I want to jump back into the story of Joshua Literally pick up right where we left off last week. And again, if you didn't hear it, it's okay. You're gonna, you're gonna, I'm gonna fill in the blanks for you. Um, but let's just pick right back up with the story of Joshua. So he's, you know, he and the, and the Israelites, they step into the Jordan River. God parts it. And it's this like huge moment. I mean, a miracle. God does a miracle. It's a mountaintop moment. And you know, like Joshua's feeling. It's a huge validation of his leadership. Everybody's like, oh, dang, God's with you, bro. And he's on, you know, cloud Nine, like he's walking across the Jordan River, like, you know, a little step going on. He's like, he's like doing the gritty across, you know, Jordan Jefferson. My son loves the gritty. If you don't know what the gritty is, it's, it's a dance, not something you make breakfast on, but um, you can Google it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he's like, man, he's got, he's strutting. He's like leading them. He's like, hey, hey, one more time. Let's get a chorus of like way maker, miracle worker, pro louder promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that, that is. That was who you, oh no. Because <laughs> just about the time they get across the Jordan River and Joshua turns around right in front of them is the first big obstacle. Right in front of him is the first big challenge. Right in front of him is the first major roadblock to God's call in his life to go move into the promised land and create a new home for his people. Because right in front of him was a famous city that most of you know the name of, a city by the name of Jericho. And here's how the, the storyline picks up. It says, now the gates of Jericho, they were securely barred because of the Israelites. 
kind of hard to miss two million people walking across the desert and through the Jordan. Uh, and no one went in and out. No one, no one went out. No one came in. So Jericho, phew, the city is in front of him. And it is securely barred. And that's a problem because Jericho, even at that time, had legendary fortifications. Here is a, a rendering from archaeologists of what they think Jericho looked like. Um, and it was sat up on what they call a, a tell, a, a hill, which is, you know, in those days, cities were built on top of a hill for a strategic advantage. And the unique thing about Jericho is it didn't have just one wall. No, ladies and gentlemen, it has two walls. These walls were about 12 feet across and, it, you know, their height is height. They're, you know, anywhere from 30 to 40 feet high. And not only that, but Jericho was an established city. They had a king. They had a well-trained army with weapons like bows, spears, you know, swords, horses, the whole deal. Uh, and, and this city was just so well protected. Not only that, they had a natural spring within the city. And uh, if you remember from last week, harvest had just happened. So these people were set. They could shut the doors and like, we'll wait you out. You're not going to get in here. We got two walls. And the kings and, and then the king and the wealthy people, they would live here in the middle. But then eventually people started to settle around here because this was such a safe city to live in. Nobody can breach the walls of Jericho. Uh, and in fact, if you know anything about the story, you may remember a character we're not going to talk about, but her name is Rahab. And they uh, estimate that it was either here or here that she actually had her home. It says it was built into the wall of the city. It's just this outer wall. Um, but that's another story for another day. Um, but this was the city of Jericho. And it's, what's cool is that archaeology like, supports the, all the different things that happen in the story. If you'd like to know about it, like nerd out with me, I have articles for you. Uh, hit me up. I'll send them to you. Um, but here's the point. Joshua, I mean, crosses the Jordan and then comes into view of Jericho. And he's doing like, you know, the, the double take comparison. He's like looking at the city and he's like looking at his people. And he's like, uh, okay, like they got soldiers. We've got recently liberated slaves. Okay. Uh, they got horses. We don't have horses. We got like Timmy the goat. You know, that's what we got going on here. They have weapons. We've got whatever we came with out of Egypt. That's what we got on our hands. They got two, not one. They got two huge walls. And we have like, I don't know, Frank. Frank's kind of tall. Frank, can you reach up there? No. Well, dang it, you know. Joshua's doing this number, and he's like, dude, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. There's, this is a joke. I mean, this is a total mismatch. There's no way we're scaling these walls. There's no way we're defeating this trained army and there's no way we're taking the city. This is not going to happen. But then, like often happens, um, God shows up in the story with something to say. Uh, and instead of making it better, God, God makes it worse if you're in Joshua's shoes. Because uh, then, uh, you know, God comes on the scene and goes, all right, here's the battle plan. And he's going to give it to Joshua. Now, before I show you what God says, just out of curiosity, if you were making a battle plan for Jericho, what might be an idea of yours? Anybody want to just throw out an idea? Giant fireball. Giant fireball. Yeah, like, you know, maybe from a catapult or something. Like, okay, that's great. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate that. Anybody else want to take a stab? If you were like, hey, here's the plan. A spy, a spy balloon. So appropriate. Go America. Um, that made the entire sermon we could dismiss. Thank you, John. Uh, <laughs> so yes, these are the kinds of things you would anticipate, but here comes God and you know how God is. God so seldom does exactly what you would anticipate. And he comes to Joshua and he says, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king, 
and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. And Joshua was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Did, what did you just say? And God's like, all right, oh, sorry. Let me, let me, let me, let me slow it down for you. Um, let me just like break it down. I kind of went too fast there. So Joshua, here, take a pen. I just write down the battle plan. So like, okay, day one, you're going to walk around Jericho. Joshua's like, oh, okay, and then charge, right? Like, we're going to charge, and you're at the end of walking. And God's like, no, no, you're going to just go home. Okay, and then day two, you're going to walk around it again. And Joshua's like, as a distraction, because while we're doing that and they're watching us, like, you know, the Navy SEAL, like, goat squad's going to sneak over the wall and take it, right? And God's like, no, you're going to go back home. And then on day three, you want to write this one down, too? You're going to go walk around Jericho. And Joshua's like, because by then the catapult's going to be done and we can fireball the thing, right? And God's like, no, he's going to go home after that. Joshua's like, at this point, okay, I'm going to put the pen down. And he's just staring at God. And God's like, in day four, you're going to walk. In day five, you're going to walk. In the day six, you're going to walk. And then he gets to day seven and it gets worse. I mean, you thought that was bad. He gets to day seven and then God says this, have you have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark and on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And, and here's what's going to happen. Obviously, when you hear the sound, a long, uh, a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, and, you know, everybody's straight in, right? Yeah, Joshua, just walk around, and, you know, the walls will fall down. <laughs> and Joshua, I can, I can, like, I wish I could just seen the look on his face when he first heard this. He's like, you mean to tell me, like, we got two million people here, and you mean to tell me, out of all the strategies, you know, weather balloons, fireballs, Siege equipment, I mean, digging tunnels out of all the strategies. God, you're telling me the battle plan is we're going to power walk? Like, we're just going to be like, that's what we're going to, we're going to walk around Jericho? And like, just, oh, of course, I'm sure the walls will fall down. Joshua had to be standing there just going, I don't see it. God, I don't, I don't see it. And then can you imagine having to tell the people that? Like the generals that, like the elders that, like, okay, so uh, we're going to walk on, around the city until the walls fall down. Is, is that cool? <laughs> like, no, what are you talking about? This is not how the world works. Joshua, there's no way you got that right. We don't, you know, we don't, we don't see it. I mean, that's everybody's response to this. And it's on purpose. God is setting them up for something. But that's what they do. Because Joshua, he's a courageous stepping guy. So he's like, okay, I don't see it. Everybody's mad at me. They think I'm crazy. They think you're crazy, God. This is your fault. But they do. So they start walking. Day one, they're walking around. I mean, it's a pretty big city. This takes a long time. It's hot. It's a desert. It's dusty. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's stifling. It's boring. It's tedious. The kids are crying. And people, I mean, like a quarter of the way in, you know, your, your baby. Nah! And it's horrible. It's awful. They're having a miserable time. I mean, and, oh my gosh, the trash talk from the wall. This is just my thinking. It had to be brutal, you know? Because like Jericho soldiers are lined up there ready for battle. And they're like, huh. Okay, I mean, the cat calls, it must have been, I mean, the, your mother jokes alone were probably insufferable, you know? This is honestly what I imagine. You remember that Monty Python movie? Like, this is what I think is happening the whole time. Y'all remember this guy? He's like, yelling at him if you don't, yeah, doesn't matter. Um, I'm not going to say what he says, but he's yelling out at him. This is what I'm imagining is happening. And they walk around the walls. And day one, that's okay. Day two, that's fine. Day three, this is getting difficult. Day four, day five, 
you know, day six, this is enough. Enough is enough. I, I, I want to give up now. Day six, I'm, I'm done. And you mean to tell me that day seven, we're going to do this seven times? We're going to do what we've been doing every day up until now for seven times in one day? It's going to take all day from sun. I mean, what are you talking about? I am solidly out. That's where everybody is. And here's the point. This is where I think a lot of us, and maybe even most of us, find ourselves in this story. I think this is where so many of us in the room go, oh, hey, that's me. Because I wonder, have you ever stopped walking around something that God called you to? Have you ever stopped walking around something that you called you to? Have you ever stopped walking around something that your dreams had called you to or your loved ones had called you to? I bet you have because I know I have. And we stopped walking because we got tired. We stopped walking because we got bored. We stopped walking because it was difficult. We stopped walking because we looked into the future and all we saw was more walking and you're like, man, I'm out. You have anything like that? I bet you do. If you're anything like me, the landscape of your life is dotted with walls that you stop walking around. The landscape of your life, if you're anything like me, is dotted with dreams that you stopped walking around or potential that you stopped walking around or, or maybe even a marriage that you stopped walking around or, or your health that you stopped walking around or your finances that you stopped walking around or a faith, your faith that you stopped walking around at some point or God's call on your life that you just stopped walking around at some point. Man, I think this is where so many of us find ourselves in this crazy story right there on day seven with a whole bunch of people that are ready to give up. And you know that's what happened. I mean, you know popular opinion turned against Joshua there pretty strong on day seven. People are like, enough, enough is enough. But Joshua makes a decision. He chooses a course that so many of us wish that we have taken in many different times of our lives. Joshua, he keeps going and he takes everyone with him. And this is what happens. Some of you know how this is gonna go down on the seventh day. They got up at daybreak and they marched around the city, and they do it seven times. All the complaining, can you imagine? And they do it in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. And then the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And then sure enough, it happens when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. And so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. That's the story of Jericho. And I think the big question that you should ask when you read a story like this is, especially this story, is why did God have them do all that? Like, why the theatrics? Why did God have them walk around the city for seven days in a row? He didn't need them to walk around the city, right? I mean, like, the walking wasn't magical. Just make that clear. Some of y'all are like, I'm about to go walk around the Ferrari dealership, you know, and see what happens. <laughs> walk around the house of that woman in your HOA. You know, like, you're walking. She's like, well, I can see him. They're clearly violating Section 501, you know, 383. Just kidding. We don't want that. Um, their walking wasn't magical. I mean... God didn't need them to walk, so why ask them to? And here's why. 
Here's why I asked them to walk. I think for two reasons. Number one, he commanded them to walk because he wanted to teach them that what God sees is different than what we see. What God sees is different than what we see. What God sees is more than what we see. Like where everyone else saw slaves, God saw an army. Where everybody else just saw a bunch of nomads, God saw a kingdom of Israel to come. Where everybody else saw defeat, God saw destiny. Where everybody else saw the end, God saw a new beginning. Where everybody else saw a bunch of fools walking around in circles, God's like, I see walls falling down. God sees more than we see, and that's true of you. Did you know that? You know that God's plan for your life, it is not based on what you can see. It's based on what he sees. And he, te- he tends to see potential where others do not. He tends to see glory where others do not. He tends to see greatness and significance where others do not. He tends to see beauty where others do not. He tends to see redemption where others do not. He tends to see impossible things happening where others think it'll never, ever happen. God sees more than we see. And I think that's reason number one. But reason number two is even more important. I think the reason God commanded them to walk is so that he could teach them that if you want to see what God sees become a reality in your life, you're probably going to have to walk around some walls. If you want to see what God sees, not just what you see, if you want to see what God sees become a reality in your life or your marriage or your friendships or your career or your hopes and dreams or your character or your finances or your health or your future, if you want to see what God sees become a reality in your life, then we're going to need to add a word to this sentence right here. If you want to see what God sees become a reality in your life, then we're going to need to upgrade. You're going to need to upgrade this sentence with one powerful word that I believe has the potential to change everything. And it's this, that while others are saying, I don't see it, I don't see it, I don't see it, you start saying, I don't see it yet. I don't see it yet. I don't see it Yet, hey guys, listen, listen, everyone, pay attention to me. We don't see it yet, so we better keep walking. God's saying, if you want to see what I see become a reality in your life, you need to add this word on the end of your sentence. If we want to see what God sees become a reality in our life, then we're going to have to become individuals and families and a church, for that matter, that keeps walking around what God has asked us to walk around no matter what we see. Why? Because the best things in life and the biggest things of God, they usually require you to take a few laps. That's just true. The best things in life and and hey, the biggest things of God, they usually require you to take a few laps. And so if week one was about having courageous faith, take a step. This week is about having a persevering faith. If week one was about taking a step, well, this week is about taking another lap, taking another lap. Because oftentimes the reason that we leave things undone in our lives, things that God's called us to or that our hearts have called us to or that those we love have called us to, the reason so often we do find ourselves get to the end of the year or even the end of a decade or, or many of us to the end of our lives with a growing pile of things we left undone is simply because we didn't have faith take another lap. We didn't have faith to take another lap. And my friends, Joshua learned what many of us need to learn or, and maybe others of us need to remember. And that is, if you want to see walls fall down, then you need to keep walking. 
If you want to see walls fall down, well, then you need to keep walking. Why? Because the best things in life and the biggest things of God, they happen on the other side of persevering faith. The best things in life and the biggest things of God, they almost always happen on the other side of persevering faith. And by the way, if you're not a Christian or you're not sure you believe in God or what you believe about God or church is kind of a newer thing to you or you've been in it in a while and you're kind of back and you're like, man, I don't know. It feels like a lot of God, you know, rah, rah, God stuff that you would expect from a guy like me. You know, I'm a preacher. I'm like, God, you know, and you might be thinking, this doesn't sound like it really hits my life or intersects my life. And oh my goodness, it totally, totally does. Please don't discount the principle here simply because faith is attached to it. In fact, if I could, I'd like to just say it a different way that maybe will resonate with you even more. And it's simply this, that oftentimes the reason that we leave things undone in life, like our hopes, dreams, and our priorities, is, is simply this, that we see more starting lines than finish lines. We tend to see and hang in there for a lot more starting lines than we do finish lines. And this is a human problem. I mean, you know this is true. This is a human problem, not like a Christian problem. I mean, just like, let me give you a sample of some quotes I just found this weekend as I was Googling this. It's not that I'm so smart. It's just that I stay with problems longer. Albert Einstein. Uh, Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Thomas Edison. Uh, It does not matter how slowly you go. So as long as you don't stop, that you do not stop. Confucius. Or uh, let me tell you the secret that's led to my goal. My strength lies solely in my tenacity. Louis Pasteur, the milk guy, you know, among other things. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Winston Churchill, or this last one from the Apostle Paul himself. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians. Y'all... This is a human problem. It's not just a Christian problem. And so it's no surprise that our creator talks about it a lot in his word. We tend to see a lot more starting lines than finishing lines. And so the invitation and the challenge to you today is simply to add some grit to your goals. Add some persistence to your priorities. Add some consistency to your calling. And see what happens. I mean, like, what if you brought a renewed sense of grit, persistence, and consistency into your life or into your work or into your marriage or into your dreams? I mean, like, what could happen? According to some of the most successful people in recent history, a whole lot could happen. And the same is true according to your heavenly father. And so that's practice number two. If you want to live an undone life, if you want to live a nothing undone, sorry, life. If you want to live a nothing undone life, well, then keep walking. Take another lap. Every month of your life, every quarter of your life, every year of your life, just like make this a habit as you take stock and evaluate. Make it a habit of like popping the lid on your life and asking, what has God called me to? Or what has my heart called me to? Or what have the people that I love called me to that I have stopped walking around? And you pick it up, take it out, and you start walking around it again. You say, I'm going to take another lap. I'm going to take another lap. And you carry with you your brand new battle cry. I don't see it yet. The problem is that I don't see it. No, God sees more than I see. It's okay that I don't see it. The problem is I just don't see it yet. So I'm going to keep walking. And that's your new battle cry. Do that. You want to live a nothing undone life Then make that a habit, like a life habit in your life every month, every quarter, every year. You go look at the things that you stopped walking around and you pull one of those back out and you go, no more. 
I don't see it yet, so let me keep walking. And I gotta tell you, man, this principle has changed my life forever, forever and for the good. Not only personally when I've decided to do this, but hey, you remember that story I started with? Uh, the, the woman, one of you, who God called to step out and start something, and she did, and she rallied people and got them excited, and then the person that can make it happen said, I don't see it, and so she did it again. She rallied more people. She got more neighbors. She got more structure and organization, and then brought it to somebody, and they said, no, nah, I don't see it, and then she did it again. She tried to make it even bigger and more organized and get more people on board, and she just kept walking, and she just kept walking, and by the way, so did her husband, and by the way, so did so many of her friends, and by the way, so did so many families in our community. Well, eventually, seven years later, the walls fell down. What God had called her to start, it started, and you know it today as East Cobb Church. And her name's Katie Peters. And she and her husband, Josh, and their small group from way back in the day that it's all started with seven years ago on a back porch, and then so many of you who joined in along the way, you walked and walked and walked for seven years. I mean, ironically, it was seven years. I mean, could you believe it? Really worked for my sermon. And man, I think that seventh year to a lot of you felt like you did, in fact, walk around seven times. But you did. You kept walking, and you kept walking, and you kept walking. Because you're like, hey, we just don't see it yet. And then in January of 2020, East Cup Church opened its doors. And here we are. And I know so many of you, you look back on those years, and you look back on all the no's and the not yet's, and, and by the way, they weren't all bad. Some of them were God saying, hey, it's not the right time. I'm, I'm preparing. Hey, it's not the right time. I'm still positioning things. I mean, but aren't you so glad that she kept walking? Yeah. And I know if she got up here, and she's obviously here today, she's on her staff, but if she got up here, I don't think she like loves preaching in front of the, you know, a bunch of people, but if she got up here, I think she would tell you with all of, if you know Katie, just her unique voice, passion, she would say the best things in life and the biggest things of God, they usually happen on the other side of persevering faith. So go, 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 take a nap, take a lap, take a lap, go take another lap. You just don't see it yet. So, this is a really big deal to me. This year is a really big deal to me too. I believe that God's calling me to some significant things this year. I believe that God is calling you to some significant things this year. I think that you, I believe you are calling you to some significant things this year. I'm sure that's true. And I believe that God is calling us as a church some really significant things this year. And I don't want us to miss any of it. And I sure don't want us to miss it because we didn't have the faith or the courage or the tenacity to just take another lap. I want 2023 to be a year of taking laps around what God's called us to do and what our hearts are calling us to do and what our loved ones are calling us to do. I want this to be the year of some taking some laps, take another lap. I want this to be that kind of year. So what do you say? What do you say? We spend 2023 taking some laps, 
around God's calling on our lives, around his will for our lives, around his dreams for us. What do you say we spend 2023 taking some laps around our own as well? And so in the name of that, I just wanna make one simple invitation, one simple challenge. I would love to challenge you to pick one thing in your life that God's called you to, or if that's a struggle for you, just what your heart's called you to, what your dreams have called you to. I want you to just pick one thing that God's called you to, that you stop walking around and go take another lap. Go take another lap this month. Go take another lap and just see what happens. Go take another lap. And to help you get started thinking about it, I brought some ideas of things you might decide to, some ways you might decide to take another lap. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna read them real quick and maybe something I say will either be the one you're like, that's it, or it may spark an idea that's different from anything that I thought of. Um, but here are some ways that maybe you could consider. Some of you, um, you need to go take another lap or you need to like keep walking in prayer. Like you've been praying for somebody and you feel like you've been praying forever and you're like, man, what's the point? You know, I've been praying for my child or I've been praying for my husband or I've been praying for, you know, whoever. And you've grown weary and you've grown, you've grown weary of praying, you've grown weary of waiting and maybe you just need to say, uh-uh, I'm gonna take another lap on behalf of somebody else and I'm gonna continue to pray for them. Some of you, that might be the most powerful thing you could do in this next quarter, this next half a year, is to start walking around walls in prayer for somebody. Because I do believe, we do believe, I'm convinced that prayer unleashes the activity of God, the activity of heaven here on earth. And maybe one of the greatest things you could do is just start walking around walls in prayer for somebody. And sure, it's scary and it's uncertain because God does not always say yes. Sometimes he says not yet. I mean, yes, in eternity, all prayers are yes in Jesus. You know that verse. That's 100% true. You can take that to the bank. Every prayer for healing and provision and restoration is 100% yes in eternity, and that day is coming. But man, sometimes God says yes in this life, and sometimes he says not yet. But you know what? I do know that prayer unleashes the activity of heaven here on earth, and maybe you need to walk around some walls for somebody in prayer. Or here's another one. Maybe it's in relationship. Maybe you've got a tough relationship, a family member, or, or somebody that God's put in your orbit, and that relationship has been tough. They have wronged you. It's got, it used to be great, and now it's like really sour, and there's not a lot of trust, or there's a, a big break. And, and you have given up trying to bring reconciliation. You're like, what's the point? It's never going to happen. You're not even willing. It's like, hit, and like it's talking into you know, thin air. But you need to decide. You could decide right now. You know what? I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to start taking another lap. Because uh, God didn't give up on me, so I'm not going to give up on you. So I'm going to walk around some walls, because I don't see it yet but I do believe reconciliation is coming. I believe God could bring reconciliation and you just start walking around in love of a person. You keep treating them right. You keep loving them. You keep doing good to them. You keep showing up even when they don't ask you to and even when they don't reciprocate because you're just gonna walk around walls. Maybe it's a relationship. Uh, maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at work, like a promotion you've been waiting on, an opportunity you've been waiting on, a switch or a change you've been waiting on and you need to take another lap because some part of you is starting to give up and settle in and coast and God's like, I created you for more than that. There's so much more in you than that, than coasting and then settling. No way, you, 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 you go take another lap because maybe it's not that you don't see it, maybe you just don't see it yet. I saw one of my great friends go through this in, over the course of even like some years. I mean, so right for a position, so right for a promotion, and yet it didn't work out. It was like, oh man, it didn't work out. And then it didn't, like, didn't work out again. And then it didn't work out like a third time. I mean, opportunities that absolutely he should have had, but circumstances did not work out. And yet I listened and watched, he was in our small group. I watched him go, you know what? It's fine, because that's not what God wanted for me. And he just kept walking. The best that he could be, kept being who God had created him to be, and then, man, one day the walls fell down and he just, he, he, he was able to take that step. It was so inspiring to me. 
And maybe some of you in your career need to have like a renewed passion and a new vigor and a new tenacity to keep walking around those walls uh, because you, you know that ultimately your boss doesn't determine your destiny, your heavenly father does, and you're gonna keep walking. Uh, maybe that's it for you. Maybe it's in pursuit of a habit, either one you wanna break or one you wanna start, and you're tired. Like Paul said earlier, you're growing weary of doing good, and you need to not grow weary in doing good, and I'd like to encourage you today that maybe you should take another lap because the Holy Spirit of God is inside of you and he's stronger than whatever it is that you're facing. Maybe that's um, where you need to start walking. Or I put one more, maybe it's in your faith. Like maybe you've got questions that you've been grappling with and you've been exploring God and, and the why is he there? And I would just encourage you to keep walking because God is there and I believe he'll reveal himself to you. Or maybe you're looking for an experience of God that you've never had before that maybe your wife has and you're like, I'd like to know God like that. And I'd encourage you to figure out a way to keep walking. Don't just settle in for I show up in church and I just kind of go on with life. Keep walking. That's my hope for you. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, this story isn't about Jesus. It's about Joshua. But it's, it's not a bad picture. Because like Joshua took a decisive step, God has taken a majorly decisive step towards you in sending his son to die on a cross and rise from the dead. And just like they walked around the walls I just want you to know God's love for you is long suffering. It is patient. And God will walk around and walk around your life and never stop inviting you to call him your heavenly father. He's tenacious. He's tenacious. He's a God who says, oh yeah, I just don't see it yet about you. So I hope you know that. I hope you know that's who he is. But how do you want to keep walking? How do you want to take another lap? I challenge you to find a way and go do it. And go do it. So those are the two ingredients of a nothing undone life. Courageous faith and persevering faith. And if you want to live a nothing undone life, then we need to decide that we're going to take a step. And then we also need to decide we're going to take another lap. And that's my prayer for you. As we close this series out, my prayer for you, just go right back to the, where we started, that you would be able to say with Joshua this right here, that Joshua left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded, that you'd be able to put your name in there and say, I left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded me. Let me pray for you and we'll continue. Heavenly Father, I, I do ask that we would be those people that we would somehow be able to leave nothing undone of all that you have dreamed of for us, that we realize you see so much more than we see and uh, we'd take another lap because we realize we just don't see it yet and we would trust you with the results. So help us identify where you want us to keep walking and give us the courage to do it this week, this month. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey! 